Dan Riskin, our science friend, is here with a test tube uh, Thursday. Nice to have you, sir. Always great to talk to you. You're hanging out with an astronaut. Yeah, this Saturday, uh, Jeremy Hansen's going to be at the Ontario Science Centre, uh, and it's an open event, and uh, I listen, it's not going to be very long until this guy goes to space, and when he does go to space, he will be farther from the rest of everybody on Earth than any human has ever gone before. I mean, he'll be with three other people, but those four people will go farther from Earth than any astronaut in history. And I just like the idea of getting into the same room with this guy and then being able to say later, okay, so I was really close to him and now I'm really far away from him. I just, I, for me, it's like, there, I watched Sesame Street as a little kid and there was this near far thing. And I just, <laughs> it really near, like anchors. This is far. <laughs> exactly. That was Grover, and I think, was like, I'm going to put Grover to shame. I'm, I'm really going to nail this. Well, I'm looking forward to a conversation we're having with him on the show this morning. Joe Christiana, what time is he uh, coming into studio? Should be 9.35. And he is in studio. Is he going to be wearing the jumpsuit and everything? You know, I don't know, but now I hope he is. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to that because uh, I I like astronauts. Okay. So, uh, wait, wait, John, John, yes. really quick. I hope he wears the jumpsuit. There is a story from Discovery Channel about all the Canadian astronauts coming in for a, this is before my time there, but I was told the story. They all came in, they did this big interview, and then everyone went out to lunch together, and they were all wearing their jumpsuits. And the the waiter said, "So, do you all work at the same gas station?" So that's <laughs> <laughs> well, and I forget where I was reading it this morning because I go through. So much material getting ready for the show, but somebody's future uh, spacesuits, I think, are being made by Prada. Mm, yes. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's this mission or another one, but that gives you a question to ask if you want to. Okay. Uh, music reduces pain intensity. In introducing this or teasing it, I was remembering you talking about how cussing can make you experience mm. pain differently. So, how does music work? Yeah, maybe if you listen to music with swear words in it, you're really going to take things to the next level. But this is uh, this is research uh, done at McGill, which shows uh, perhaps something that's not that surprising, but uh, is is still cool to to double check, which is that if you're listening to the music that you picked, it really it does things for you that music other music doesn't do and what they do for this experiment it's a pain experiment so experimentally they have this thing on your forearm that heats up to the heat of maybe like a cup of hot coffee very briefly it doesn't burn you in it doesn't leave any permanent damage but it does hurt and you're asked how much pain you're sensing uh and that happens while you're listening to music and and people were asked to bring in music that they liked to the studio and that was sort of paired with similar music but not the music that they had chosen and so you might have a favorite symphony by Mozart, you could bring that, but they might play some other classical music by Mazorgsky or something like that. And then you might really love Motorhead. That was one of the examples in the press release. And, and, and so they might pick some other music in that genre. And what they found is that if you're listening to the music that you picked, you feel less pain than the music somebody else picks. So that really is a, a very cool result and speaks to the personal sort of connection you have to music. But then when you're asked to describe the music that you've chosen or the music you're listening to generally, um, the, some music is very energizing, it, it psychs you up, other music is very happy, other music is very calming, um, but it's the music that gives you chills, that have you that are bittersweet, that you have an emotional reaction to, maybe because it, it anchors you in something from your past, or just because it, it really, you know, for me it would be Leonard Cohen, something like that, where you really just get a feeling when you listen to it. That's the music that is the best, at, it has the most analgesic properties, and so if you're looking to reduce pain or, or cause other improvements to your life, think about the music music that gives you chills because that's going to be the most powerful stuff. I'd love to be the university student who volunteers to be subjected to pain. <laughs>
I, you know what? I could totally see it. I, there, there are so many great experiments that you can participate in, but there is something. It's a little bit like getting scared at, on purpose and going to those Halloween haunted, you know, mansions and stuff like that. Like there is something kind of fun about the idea of going in and doing an experiment where you're going to get zapped on the arm. So NASA can't get the lid off its asteroid sample. Did they try turning it upside down and banging it on the counter? They did not. Uh, just surprisingly, that is not one of the things NASA's approved. So they've got their sample. It came back from space. They put it into this special container. So it's not a vacuum container, but it is a container where only nitrogen is blown through because nitrogen is inert and it's not going to do any chemical reacting with the uh, sample itself. And when they brought it back, it, they didn't open it right away because the outside of the container is covered in asteroid dust. And that asteroid dust on the outside of the container uh, is, is as good as gold itself. And so they wanted to make sure they got that sample first before they opened it up to get to the sample that they collected on purpose. This is the accidental sample. Now, their goal was to get 60 grams, which is a huge goal because before this, the biggest sample ever taken from an asteroid was 5 grams. But not only did they get 60 grams, they, they got even more than that. So they've got 70.3 grams of material that they have collected from the outside of the thing. So the, already the mission is a success. So now they're ready to open it up, but the uh, it's kind of jammed. It's kind of <sighs> stuck. Maybe because they got some of the asteroid dirt in the in the bolts they don't exactly reveal what it is that's causing the problems um, but it's got a whole bunch of fasteners 35 fasteners that hold it shut and two of them are not opening with the tools they have inside that that box that where all these tools are super clean and they've got the nitrogen going through they can't just go grab a wrench out of the shed and bring it over because you can't you can't put a dirty wrench in there and so they they're they're trying to find like a new tool that they might be able to somehow get in there that would fit and so they're really sort of banging their heads trying to figure out how they're going to get this thing open it's a great problem to have and you know time is on their side there's no rush but but they're working on trying to find a way to get this thing open because once they do they estimate that there's probably 250 grams in there and and that's, you know, that's going to be the mother load. So that's what they're excited about. I have this uh, mental image of my father, and I imagine everybody's father did the same thing. When he was trying to turn a bolt that wouldn't give, he'd bite his tongue. <laughs> maybe they need to try that. Okay. If they bit their tongues, maybe that would do it. So uh, people talk about how increasingly we're kind of becoming cyborgs. And if you have a bionic hand that actually fuses with flesh and bone, I guess that is cyborg, isn't it? It is, and uh, it works. Uh, so this is a woman in Sweden. She's 50 years old. She lost her arm, uh, her right arm below the elbow. Uh, it was uh, cut off in a farming accident. Um, and so for two decades, she's had nothing there, but she has had a lot of phantom pain and she's been trying different prosthetics, but uh, she agreed to participate in a robotic study where they did a surgery where they attached implants to the two bones that come down from the elbow, the radius and the ulna. And those implants sort of, they're almost like uh, little sticks with uh, fasteners on the ends. And then she also had some muscle taken from her leg and implanted with some electrodes into the, the tissue there so that her her nerves and her muscles that are that used to control her her hand can now attach to this uh, this prosthetic. And so now the prosthetic is attached to those implants. Uh, the wiring is connected inside there to the wiring that's connected to her muscles and, and nerves and now she has a hand that is anchored to her skeleton that uh, she controls with her muscles and that can sense things like touch and send those signals right up her arm and up to her brain in the pathway that it used to go and she has become uh, 
very, very adept at using this prosthetic hand. She says that her phantom pain has basically gone away. Uh, it's much better than it was before, and that's one of the big uh, successes with it. But the she can move all her fingers individually, and her success rate, however that is measured, is 95%. So it's uh, really remarkable, and it does, I mean, it looks different from prosthetic hands you've seen before, and it is fully attached. It, it doesn't uh, come off, you don't take it off and put it on, you know, at the end of the day, it stays on. Thanks a lot for this. Wow, that's uh, that one really gives you the free zones. Yeah, it does. It does. And so does good music, which then reduces pain and we come full circle. Near. <laughs> right here. Near. This is far. My favorite Muppet. Thanks a lot, Dan. Thank you. Dan, no, Dan Riskin is not my favorite Muppet. <laughs> Grover is.